Welcome to episode 5 of the Abiola Saba Leadership Podcast. Welcome to Abiola Saba Leadership Podcast, a podcast that ignites leaders to lead their purpose into manifestation, manifestation. and fuel their greatest leadership success. success. Now, here is your host, Abiola Saba. Hi everyone, welcome to the Abiola Saba Leadership Podcast. How's everyone doing today? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to episode five. I am super, super excited. Uh, today I'm going to be interviewing a very special guest uh, by the name Christopher Bell. Uh, Christopher Bell, a very special guest. And uh, let me tell you a little bit about Mr. Bell. So I got introduced to Mr. Bell by one of my good friends, someone I really, really respect. And he knows I'm really passionate about uh, leadership. Joe Farina did this um, this uh, m- m- connection, and Joe could just not stop blowing his trumpet on Mr. Bell. So I just said, okay, Joe, tell me, you, know, you need to connect me with Mr. Bell because I love interviewing leaders, great leaders in our community. So today, it is my honor and privilege to uh, introduce, not just introduce to you, also interview uh, Christopher Bell. So Mr. Bell is a retired surgeon, former team leader of Elite Eye Angle Rescue Team. He's uh, multiple time decorated for his service on leadership. He is a Christian with a gift of evangelism and out- outreach. He's married to his beautiful wife, Sherry, and between both of them, they have a son named Tyler. So it is my honor and privilege to welcome Mr. Bell. Okay, Mr. Bell, welcome, welcome to this interview. It truly is an honor and privilege to have you here with us today. Uh, So uh, my first question, well, first let me give you an opportunity to say hello to the listeners. Oh, great. Thank you so much. So my first question to you, Chris, is um, can you share one of your greatest leadership achievements with, with our listeners? Well, I started, uh, I was in college, and um, if you'd asked me, uh, I ended up in the police department. That's what I ended up doing for my career. And I guess if you asked me when I was in college, if I was going to be a police officer, that would probably be the furthest thing from my mind. And um, I ended up moving from, I went to Elon University, and I ended up moving from um, Elon up to New Jersey. Now, Elon's in North Carolina. I lived in North Carolina my entire life. So we, go to, we moved to New Jersey and uh, ended up getting in the police department. And they told me that I would never become uh, anything other than a patrolman. 26 years later, I, gra- I ended up retiring as a sergeant. I was in charge of a high-angle rescue team. I was in charge of a SWAT team. I was on a bicycle unit. I was on a Marine unit. Um, I was in a, um, a criminal, or not a criminal, a drug interdiction unit and uh, ran an explorer's post. If you had told me back when I was in college that I would have done all that, I, I would have totally been shocked. But it was a, it was an unexpected career change that ended up giving you so much that you could use later on in life, it, it was incredible. And I, I can't really pin it down to one thing. I, I guess the one thing would be um, the high angle rescue team. I, 
I was on that for 22 years and ended up taking that over as a team leader. Probably was team leader for the last, probably the last seven years I was on. I just retired in October. Mm. And uh, you have 10, 10 individuals on that uh, team and uh, was able to get all the equipment and get the training that we needed and have budgets uh, in an environment that was not very friendly to uh, police officers. Mm. But that would probably be that would probably be the most uh, you know, the hiring a rescue team was and it's still in place now. Even after I retired, one of my counterparts took it over, and uh, but uh, it's one of the longest running things that the Port Authority's ever had in place. Wow, you know, you know what, Chris, uh, Joe Farina said so much about you. He is so proud of you. Joe describes you as the leader who would always um, do exactly uh, what he's asking other people to do. So he's not that you're not the leader that just stands back and watches other people do stuff. If you have to do like a dangerous project, that you're right there. You're really right there. So I want you to know that Joe thinks very, very highly of you that, you know, so he shared a lot of the great things that you you, you did. So I, I just, on behalf of Joe Farina and the rest of um, we Americans, I just say thank you for the great job you did. Yeah, Joe, Joe's a good guy. Yeah, the, um, yeah, the last, I came from a different breed of uh, leadership type people. You know, most, most people get sent to schools and you read books and you go to, you know, uh, they send you to a different, different type of educational processes. And, and I never had any of that. You know, I kind of got, I was, my first leadership was uh, at F.W. Woolworth when I was in college. I had to work, I had to work 48 hours a week to get through school. Mm-hmm. And I went in there and um, I guess we could talk about that later in another question. But okay. uh, I learned really early that, you know, you can't, you can't just tell people, oh, you do this and just go. It's so much easier to put yourself right in the mix and do exactly what you're expecting other people. You as a leader can't sit up in the Crystal Palace and look at your man and expect him to do a really good job because there's going to, at some point, there's going to be a revolt because now you're just telling people what to do. Mm. Uh, you have to have the knowledge of the job that you're requesting other people to do. One, because you need to know what they're doing. And two, you need to know the ramifications if something happens to them. So now I was always worried about the guys that run beneath me. I never was worried about myself. Mm. You know, you you got you know whatever you do at work as far as the, the job that we used to do. And I mean, I'm talking we used to scale up bridges that were 300 feet in the air. We might have a yeah. person in crisis, and we'd have to talk to them, and we'd have to get them down. You didn't know if they had a weapon. And I've got 10 guys behind me that are looking at me for guidance. And you know, the easiest way to motivate people to do something is to do it yourself. Exactly. That's right. That's right. I I love that. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I love that. So, and, and you got to remember that, you know, just because I've, I've, there's two types of leaders. There's the one that's going to get in the mix with everybody. And yeah. then there's that other guy that wants to wear the suit or, <laughs> or have, all the, have all the clout and run around tell everybody he's in charge. Mm. And, you know, they usually, yeah, there's a respect for, for the position. Mm. And then there's a respect for the person. The respect for the position is already there when you take it. The respect for the person's earned. And sometimes people get those two things a little mixed up. You know, they just think just because they take that position that everybody's going to respect them. And uh, most of the time, that's not the case. 
you got to make sure you take the you take the position for the right reasons. So true, so true. I could not agree with you more. That's so true. So my next question to you, Chris, is um, how has your thinking positively or negatively impacted your leadership? That's so true. <laughs> they don't want, when I used to hear people come in and complain, I was like, oh, it's like uh, that movie, there was a movie where these aliens would, it was called Life Force, and they would just okay. suck you dry, and you'd wrinkle up, and I, and I would sit there, people would talk in the police car right up the side, and they'd start complaining. Oh, uh, boy. I, I would, like, cringe up like I was getting the life sucked out of me, and they're like, Marge, what's wrong? I'm like, you're killing me, you're sucking the life out of me, dude. Well, how is your wife? How's your kid? What did you do for vacation, man? Mm. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's so simple. I mean, people want to be around positive people. Absolutely. That's you know, true. And, I agree. And when you let that get into your life, that's just the first sign. And you'll never, you cannot be a leader if you're never looking for the positive stuff. Because when you don't look for the positive stuff, you're, you're, you're kind of in a holding pattern. You know, you're yeah. in the box. You're not, yeah. you're not thinking outside the box. When you start thinking positive, you start, well, wow, if I do this, this could lead to that. Let me jump out of the box. You know, and I mean, I, you know, I retired. And Everybody's like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I said, I'm not working for anybody. I'm working for myself. That's great. And, and, and I thought positively about it. I was like, you know what? I can do this. Yeah. It's going to happen. It's going to work. And I just and I pulled the trigger and went for it. And you know what? I have some setbacks every once in a while. But, you know, there's a lot more positive stuff happening here than negative stuff. And I, and I just I don't sit there and focus on the bad things that happen. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, yeah. and, and you as a leader, if you come into work every day and you're like all doom and gloom, you're not going to get anything done. One, you're going to be miserable. Everybody around you is going to be miserable. Mm-hmm. And, and 
your productivity levels are going to be horrible, and you're not going to be in that position very long. That that's so true. Like the saying goes, everything is energy. So if the if the leader brings in very low and or very negative energy, what what do they expect from the other people that they're leading? You know. So you that that that's so true. That's so true. You set, you set the tone, and and whatever tone yeah. you set is what you're going to get out of work that day. That's so true. I I quite agree. So uh, so uh, thank you, thank you so far for the answers that you've given, for the encouragement, and uh, so I want you to share if if it's okay with you, um, any of the mistakes or any of the failures that you've made, and um, how did you recover from those um, mistakes? When uh, back to when I was talking about when I worked at Woolworth, I was in college, and uh, I started off washing dishes and then worked in the sporting goods section. And then I had an opportunity to work in the store where they had to sit in for lunch counter to segregation in the 60s. It was in Greensboro. And I went in there. I was 20, I think I was 21 years old. Most people working in their, in their 40s, 50s. And I went in with that attitude. Okay, I'm the assistant manager. You, you'll, I tell you to do something, you're supposed to do it. And, <laughs> oh, my God. Here's a young kid comes in there and he's bossing people around. <laughs> That's good. Absolutely. Because I said so. That's wrong. Yeah. 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 Have an 
Exactly. Exactly. That's good. Yeah, that's good. I can actually confirm that based on the things that um, Joe Farina shared about you. So my next question to you, Chris, is do you have any daily rituals that you do that helps your uh, helps improve your thinking? Well, since I retired, I, uh, I like to have my coffee. <laughs> that's a great ritual. <laughs>
I have my Bible. I, yeah. uh, I try awesome. to get into that a little bit every morning. Awesome. Um, but I always pick out one thing. I'm like, you know, okay, well, what am I going to laugh about today? Got to laugh. Got to have a good laugh. If you can't have a good laugh. Yeah. Um, but when I was in the police department, you know, we always had, we always had roll call. And mm. um, one of the things that we did in roll call was uh, we'd go around and uh, we'd sit there and talk and I'd let the guys vent their problems out. And then I'd say, well, okay, well, this is, this is what we're going to do today. And uh, this is what you need to be looking for. But, I mean, it's, uh, I've never really had, like, a, I never was OCD like that, having a set, you know. <laughs> the only thing I can say is I, I usually get up in the morning at 6.30, and I go to bed by 9.30. Okay. Uh, I try to get my sleep, because if you're tired, you can't make any decent decisions. And um, I don't work for anybody. I, I work for myself. That's good. Uh, so what do you do now? What do you do now, Chris? Okay. And, um, I do mechanical work on cars, and it, it doesn't sound like a real glamorous job, hmm. um, but I like to build things. That's and, good. Um, I did. I did have a job offer right when I got out as a building super in um, uh, one of the towns a little bit north of where I live, and that was a you know that was a six digit income. Okay. But the problem was is you have to look at what your time is valued at. You know, I'm, I'm 50 years old. How much more time do I have? Mm. Yeah. Uh, is my time more valuable being spent with my child and my family, mm. or is it more, you know, valuable making more money? And then if you make more money, you don't have any time. Mm. What good is it? I, I uh, quite so, agree with you. Yeah, so, I mean, it's uh, you know, people like to leverage your time. You know? Yeah. Uh, you know, you got to ask yourself, you know, what are you worth? You know, <laughs> I think I'm worth more than fifteen dollars an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's right. You're going to go from point A to point B, and you're going to work in the same box every day. Yeah. I did that for 26 years. Mm -hmm. It was Groundhog Day, man. I went to work, same thing. Same Same routine over and over again. Yeah, now I go into people's houses, I rip out walls, I rip out kitchens, I redo bathrooms, and I get stuff done, and I look at it, and I'm like, man, look what I did. That's good. I build a wooden kayak for a guy, and and it's like, you know, I look at it, and then thing, you know, the guy's out on the the lake the next week, and I'm like, I built that, you know. Mm. We go four-wheeling, and um, I got a group of guys I four-wheel, Southern Delaware Jeep Club, and do work on these guys' Jeeps, and, uh, you know, they're out in the woods, and they're wheeling stuff that you put together, or, you know, you're driving a car that you built the motor in. I mean, this is, and like I said, it doesn't sound glamorous, but... You enjoy it. Yeah. More kind of yeah. That's that's all that matters. I mean, like the the satisfaction, the joy, the 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 passion, oh, yeah. the fulfillment that you get from me. That's that's yeah. all that matters. Thank- and, I would, and I would say this to your listeners. And, yes. And, and if they're doing anything, uh, don't limit yourself to one job, one mm. source of income. You know, mm. don't think that the job that you have right now is the job, don't don't quit learning. You know, it's like an Indian in the woods. Mm. An Indian in the woods that's sitting by a fire in 10 degree weather is going to be stressing about that fire. Mm. Because if that fire goes out, Mm. there's a good chance that he's probably going to die. But if he's got five more fires around him, Mm -hmm. that one goes out, it's not 
still. That's so true. That are burning. So you're going to stay warm. So always have, an, always have a different source of income. Absolutely. I, mean, I have like, I think I got like four. <laughs> I love that too. I, I think I have, I have about three now. I have three and I'm still looking into expanding it. <laughs> you know what happens? Yeah. When you, when you get into that yeah. thought process where you expand, you try to expand your wealth. Yeah. So true. Back to the positive and the negative stuff. You're That's not, you so don't true. Don't visit the negative area anymore because if something happens a little bit in one area, you're like, yeah, I'm not going to sweat it, and I got this other stuff that's going to cover it. That's you know? so true. And, and, Absolutely. And like, you know, I, I work with guys that were just man every day. They go in. They got to get their check. You know. And, hmm. and that's it. That can be so stressful. Well, guys, <laughs> your talents. You yeah. know. And yeah. Most people work outside of their talent. Yeah. You know? Why yeah. don't you use your talent for your main job? Exactly. Yeah. I I quite agree. And you know you know what, Chris? I'm actually I'm I'm wrapping up the book now. I'm writing a book on um on purpose, my, my, the purpose of my life, just trying to encourage people that they don't, they don't have to be stuck in their jobs all their lives. And, and because if they have a bigger purpose inside of them that is trying to come out, most of these people, I mean, the people uh, who are not living in their purpose, they end up being miserable. They go to work and complain, complain about, you know? <laughs> Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. You're looking at the sled dog in front of you. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so like you see for the pasture, you know, they all walk one way. Yeah, you're right. It's always a guy right beside you. You're looking at the same view all the time. What if you're one of the people in that group and you just stop one day and everybody walks off? The scenery just changed for you. Yeah, so true. Thank you, Chris. So my final question for you is, what would you tell the younger version of yourself? Some young guy to 
to run around with him and pay him, oh, well, then I'll pay him. So, <laughs> uh, most families, you know, they have like 10 kids right off the bat. Yeah. They've got the kids, they got the energy, but they can't do anything, you know. Yeah. So, but I, w- I would, I would, I would tell myself to, you know, uh, look at what you're good at and, and take and step out on it. Don't be so, don't be so reserved. Don't, don't sit back and, and tell yourself, well, I'm not sure if I can do it. Mm. I mean, you got to be positive about it. Tell yourself, you know what? I can probably do that, you know. And then again, who's poking you in your mind telling you to do these things? You know? mm. I don't know if your listeners are religious or anything. I mean, I'm a Christian. Yes, and, we are. <laughs> you know, and, and, and God tells you, you know, when, when, God, when, when God starts poking at you, you'll know it. Yes. And you'll have a recurring thought process. Of, Man, I should be doing this. I should be doing this. And, mm. um, you know, sometimes you just got to go with it. Yes. And, uh, I probably would have pulled the trigger earlier. Uh, that's what I would have told myself, just pull the trigger earlier. But you know what? Mm-hmm. Cop thing, um, cop thing wasn't too bad. I made a lot of friends, and uh, you know, I got all my guys home. I didn't. Uh, I had one guy, one of my friends got killed, and another guy got shot. Well, wow, sorry uh, about I, that. I was, yeah, I was well, but I was, I was the supervisor in charge when that happened, and I didn't have to rely on anybody else's judgment. I was able to do everything myself. Mm. That's so nice. We have done all kinds of stuff. So. That's nice. That is so good. I thank you so very much, Chris. Thank you for your time. Thank you for all the nuggets you shared. Thank you so, so very much. I really, really appreciate your time today. This episode was brought to you by AbiolaSaberOnline.com. Visit AbiolaSaberOnline.com for your mastery session, purpose masterclass, business masterclass, leadership masterclass, and of course, the mentorship program. Again, visit AbiolaSaberOnline.com. You have been listening to Abiola Saba Leadership Podcast. To get exclusive access to Abiola's free training, visit abiolasaba.com. And join her email community. If you have enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review. Until next time, remember, great leaders don't just lead. They empower others to lead in areas they are passionate about.